what can I do to get them to pique their curiosity from the moment they get invited into this new concept, new product, new idea? So for me, like, for example, with my first business, my restaurant business, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any contact. I didn't have any press contacts. I knew nobody. Like, I, I needed to just be resourceful and, and sort of creative. And that's where we all have to, that's the starting point is like for us to unlock the creativity within us because we're all creatives, we're all born creatives, and we've all kind of learned to stifle them over time. Hi guys, today we are joined again by Mickey Agrawal all the way from Austin, Texas in the USA. Uh, she is the author of two books, Disrupted and Do Cool Shit, and uh, we got cut off in our first episode together, so we decided to invite Mickey back and to really get into, the, there was just so much chemistry between us and just so much knowledge that I wanted to get from her, so uh, this is part two of that uh, story. So pay careful attention guys to the part of the show where Mickey reveals some very, very, very interesting stories about how entrepreneurs can use digital PR and media to essentially build their brands and get lips moving about products and services and companies that you are running. Uh, specifically, she stares, uh, shares rather a story of when she launched Slice, which was her restaurant uh, chain in New York, uh, and uh, just such a smart, smart, smart digital PR move, so pay careful attention to that. And then we get into uh, this idea of social flow. Um, it's actually a concept that her husband has created. So uh, we talk about myself, funnily enough, and uh, my relationship with my son. And there's a very cool acronym uh, that she reveals that you can create or use rather to create social flow in any business environment and maybe even in personal environments as well. And then towards the end of the show, we talk about DMT, uh, her, spe- her specific DMT experience that helped her to overcome fear. So there's so much to get into here, guys. Plus, we speak also about uh, how to teach kids principles related to entrepreneurship and so, so, so much more. So uh, really, really excited to bring you part two of this interview with Mickey Agrawal. Well, well, well. Welcome back, Mickey Agrawal, to the Map Round Show, part two. Welcome. Yeah, let's go. I'm so happy to be back. I know, right. Yes, I've been looking forward to this. Probably best conversation I've had on the show this year was with you, so congratulations. Uh, Love that. Yeah. I know, it was rad. It's so awesome. I love podcasting because you just, you know, you connect with people in different ways and, you know, I've like that done 300 of these and so it's nice to meet kind of a kindred spirit so i'm super glad to have you back um and so for those of you who um who haven't caught the first episodes go back to the first first one number one and then listen to that and then come back here because there's a whole bunch of context that you're going to need uh for this uh for the show so um so in the last episode um uh, Mickey, you actually challenged me i said to you that we were pivoting as a company and introducing a platform uh, company and um, and I would like to know: Are you on the internet there? Yes. Okay. So whip out your browser and go to um, yeah. firesalehardware.com. dot Oh, cool! Fire yeah. Okay. So it's a it's a we're cool. launching it on Black Friday, but I'll I'll give oh, you cool. the, I'm gonna give you the pitch, right? So basically, um, yeah. So Mickey basically said, "Yeah, what is it?" And I was like, "No, no, no, I'll, I'm not gonna say anything." She was she, you challenged me basically to to <laughs> let it go. So I'm gonna accept the challenge and move forward. And so the what we basically are launching on Friday is the largest 
hardware marketplace in the Middle East and Africa um, on Friday. Um, and how it basically works is... Um, like eBay? Like eBay for it's like hardware? eBay, eBay for hardware, essentially. Um, and the problem here is a working capital problem on the P&L, actually, for suppliers of hardware. So, I mean, it's a massive problem. So if you're trying to sell, um, like you know, laptops or printers or whatever. So, you know, this Mac, stuff ages fast. So you've got literally yeah. like 30, 60 or 90 days to move it. Otherwise you're, you're sitting with sunk capital. So what we are introducing is literally a marketplace that tackles that problem at scale. Um, and so we've got a dozen suppliers uh, on board. I mean, they've, to collectively, they've got a, a billion rand aged hardware problem. Um, so, wow. Yeah, man. So, Amazing. So, now, so now you can take all that aged hardware and just sell it on secondary market? Totally. That's it. Yeah. Because really? They, yeah, because they- And then at a discount, like, what's the discount look like? It's, it's insane. Like the, the mark, because basically, look, the, the interesting thing here is that, you know, if you have- It's like a car. It's like a car. Yeah. So, how, so the, how the commercial model currently is that if we-, we increase the discount based on the age of the hardware. So if it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, it will be cost minus 10 at 30, cost minus 20 at 60, cost minus 30. And so the discount to the end customer is insane. It's like, it's, it's not even like reseller discounted. It's, it's beyond that. Um, wow. So, yeah. And, the and, mod- then, and then what would, how, how, what's the model for you? Like, how do you guys make money? We make, uh, it's free to list and it's on both sides. So you can sign up yeah. as a customer and buy and transact. Um, and then uh, it's free to list. So there's very little friction on both sides. Um, and then we take- and then the, if there's a transaction, there's yeah. like a it's Airbnb purely, vibes. Totally, yeah. purely at risk. And we take a, a percentage of the transaction. So either 10, Perfect. 20. Yeah, man. So. And I'm surprised. So, so, like, so eBay doesn't have that? They do. They've got, they've got quite a complicated- uh, commission structure. So like depending yeah. on what you're listing in which category. So like, I, I mean, you know, let's just say it's laptops. Laptops, they will take a higher commission because it's more liquid as an example. Uh, but if yeah. you're listing a pair of shoes, it's, well, you know, yeah, I'll take my 3%. It's all good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's kind of what right. the team's been working Interesting. on. So, yeah, man. So, 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 so like how would you guys be better than eBay because you're focusing specifically on tech and hardware? Just tech and hardware, that's it. Yeah. So that's and no one else is doing that? No, no. There are some resellers. See, the interesting thing here is that there's no, nobody's incentivized to sell aged hardware. They're not because it's right. easier to sell a new laptop where, you know, I'm going to add my margin yeah. and then I'm going to make money. I can move 100 so, units as opposed to something older. So then you would partner with Apple and HP or like whatever, or who would you partner with? The um, stores? Yeah, not the mom and pop stores, you know, like, you know, if you, if you know what I'm saying, like these are the big wholesale distributors so that supply pretty much all the hardware from Cape Town to Cairo. So, right. yeah. So that's right. what you guys have been working on, but it's, it's been really, really interesting because no one's really tried to tackle this problem. So we, we don't know exactly how it's all going to pay out, but, you know, we reckon we're going to take a crack at it and so see how it goes. Because basically, if it works here, I mean, imagine the market. Is there, wait, is there milk? <laughs> no oh, milk. No. Almond milk. I, know, I thought we, no, we thought we have almond milk in the thing. So I'm Maybe just going to eat it. Over in Austin. So congratulations. I'm going to watch you. I know. It's like I'm eating. 
I'm eating dry cereal with berries. <laughs> Zero fucks being given. <laughs> That's one of the things I dig about you. You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love, I think the idea is awesome. It makes so much sense. And I'm just shocked that, it doesn't exist. So that's, that's when you know it's like a good thing because you're like, oh, yeah, this it feels like I've seen it already. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like it's some amazing proprietary AI tech. It's just a simple problem. Art, but it's, uh, yeah, you great simple move, problem. You can't move it. I mean, like, you miss, I was reading an article in the Harvard Business Review the other day. I mean, HP, like, it's a supply chain problem. I mean, like... The, the amount of money they lose on depreciation on, a, on CPUs alone when you're moving high volumes, it's, it's stratospheric. So, it, and the other thing also is that if you're an HP or an Apple, Apple will never discount their products. They won't. Right. It dilutes their brand. So what you do then is you say, well, we will be the brand and we will take it right. off. You know what I mean? So you can come and list your stuff as much as you want and then we will do all the uh, demand generation off the back of that. Um, and but what's and really, who and who would and who would list like anyone like me and you or the Apple and PC like who big suppliers yeah uh-huh. big suppliers look I mean uh, to be honest with you that's where we've started because we needed scale and supply yeah yeah uh, obviously I uh, love that yeah um, and so yeah I mean I think any anybody can apply to register I mean in in truth we could move cameras we could move high end displays we could move TVs these are all things that have come out of the woodwork already. Um, so who knows where it can go, but, you know, just, you know, recognizing that let's choose a particular use case now and then, you know, scale up from there, depending on what the market dictates to us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's such a great idea. I love it. Well, I will be shopping there for sure. I hate, I hate paying full price on laptops. I just hate it. It's so ridiculous. I know. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the news that I wanted to share with you. Um, what's news from your site since we last chatted? What's the headline there that uh, potentially um, our viewers have been kind of following along with? Yeah. I mean, business-wise, I would say um, just really building out our team. I mean, we have this huge goal to hit this year. You know, we're, we're, our goal is to get to 50 million revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and um and, you know, with the pandemic, like, blowing up again in, in America, it actually, our numbers have come, got, you know, got, gone up because people are worried about supply shortage of toilet paper and things like that. So, um, you know, it's been interesting to, like, ramp up and get our, get all our warehouses stockpiled for the holiday season. And we have so many, you know, podcast campaigns, radio campaigns, like, TV campaigns, like, pre-roll on you know, who like we just, we're just, we're just hitting all of the markets, all the different media markets right now um, to, to really hit our, our, our massive target for 2020. Um, and then we're looking, we're, you know, our, our, our we're looking to um, potentially be acquired next year. Um, so, you know, there's awesome. a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that we're thinking about there potentially, but it's, um, yeah, it's really it's really an exciting, interesting time building our team. We're, we're hiring several marketing, you know, like very specific marketing roles, marketing analysts. Uh, you know, someone spoke focused on subscription email. You know, we're 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 hiring a um, 
our director, we just hired an art director, which I'm so excited about to really help me in the creative direction of the brand mm. side of things. Um, we have a huge campaign that we're coming out, which I'll give you the sneak peek on, which is um, a big press campaign, which is like we're sending a thousand tushy bidets. So I have a bidet, modern bidet company for those of you who don't remember from last time it's a bidet that attaches to existing toilet and turns any toilet into a bidet in 10 minutes there's no plumbing or electrical it's 79 dollars, and it's like the most game-changing thing you can do for your whole body in a very long time and our you know near million customers all agree um and um and so we're we're um you know really gearing up to to um you know, build our team to a certain number. Um, you know, we think we want to cap it max, 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 max at 30 people. We like a small, nimble team, um, but, but still hit big, big goals with that. And then work with different agencies to, um, for either marketing or for PR. So the, so basically a big PR campaign that we're doing is called, we're sending a thousand Toshiba days to all the mayors of the dirtiest cities in America. And so <laughs> basically it. it's a full press campaign. That's, that's all about the, it basically goes in a line along with our bidet 2020 campaign instead of Biden 2020, like it's bidet 2020. By the way, what did South Africa think of the Biden victory? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can't literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Um, well, again, polarizing. I think some people are, yay, Trump's gone. And then I think some people are like, oh, no, Biden, super worried now about what's going to happen. Um, you know, again, it's, it's just the way that things, I mean, to be fair, like, to be honest, I followed that election closely and I just couldn't believe how polarizing it was. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the numbers were just so, it was like yeah. amazing. It was like, oh my God, like how do you, I mean, even if you were to, wanted to the create media. that. I know, but like the, the degree, it's like I know, yeah. half a percent. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like in, like 1%. Well, like, yeah. It's crazy. It was 71 million voted for Trump and 74 million voted for Biden. Yeah. That's no, nuts, man. What do you yeah. think about it? I just think like what I'm looking forward to is just boringness for a minute <laughs> where there's not, you know, like Thich Nhat Hanh and Buddha always talks about the way to healing is stopping, calming, resting, and then healing comes from that. So the idea of like de-inflaming, you know, you think about for me, my thyroid, right? We talked about my thyroid earlier. Healing my thyroid took 
a lot of figuring out what was causing inflammation in my body, what things that I was allergic to. You know, right now I'm eating grain-free cereal because I found out that grain causes inflammation in my body. And so um, stuff like that where it's like once you, once there's de-inflammation, healing happens. And so I think the same thing, you know, with the de-inflammation of Trump is just very press, like, magnet. (laughs) And because he's such a press magnet, it creates this polarizing rhetoric on both sides around it. And because Biden is sort of like Grandpa Joe, you know, and he's like, you know, you come sit on this knee and you come sit on this knee and let's just work it out while I pat your backs, you know? And I feel like there's a little something there that feels like, let's just de-inflame, let's de-escalate, let's not say crazy statements that that are just, just for the headline purposes, which, you know then travels the world and creates a skewed view of the way things actually are just based on what someone said. So really understanding that media is really the ones that are winning with this polarization situation. And um, you think about what happened in Myanmar, you know, when, when, when people like their fo- people's phones, you know, got came with Facebook and then people were getting served different things and created complete civil war. People died. It was crazy. And so in the same way, you know, I think, the media in America is so polarized and people are being served completely different things. Like the left side thinks that like, let's talk about abortion. Left side thinks that the right is, is, is this, you know, patriarchal supremacists who are trying to, you know, keep women from, you know, uh, being f- like fully free. And then the right wing thinks the left side are baby killers who don't give babies a chance and who are, awful and they shouldn't life matter and they're getting fed completely different things that make them both right right so it makes i'm right with pro-choice they're right with they call it pro-life we call anti-abortion you know and so it's sort of like i also figured out that you know anyways so so like there there's this there's this there's this real deep polarization between both sides based on what they're getting fed and the information that they're getting fed and um and so we just have to like reach out on the other side. Like I just posted on Instagram, you know, uh, that my dad voted for Trump and that he and I finally sat down and had a really deep conversation about what his main issues are. And um, in the past, I would just sort of like write him off and, and all of that. But this time I was like, okay, I just want to sit down and seek to understand. Like, let's put my understanding hat on. Let me take off my judgment hat. Let me seek to understand. And a lot of things that he said made a lot of sense in the way he described it. I mean, 71 million people who voted for Trump aren't idiots. You know, like, sure, there's, like, people paint each other as idiots, like, social lefties from, like, whatever, and then, like, you know, hick people from the middle of the country voted for Trump because they're completely, like, uneducated, which also infuriates people when they're called names like that. And so, you know, it's it's really an interesting thing to watch how – polarized we can get based on what we're fed and how much we're puppets to this the media machine and the outrage machine and so i'm 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 really looking forward to just de-inflammation a little boringness for a while let's let's get some diplomacy back in and you know let's start to reconcile and and the good thing about joe biden is that he's like I, i i red blue whatever like i'm united states of america like you know, like I, I, I want, like we, we need to unite the states of the America. So obviously from that place, he's not going to be like, 
you know, like super left when it comes to finances, super left when it comes to economics, you know, like, mm. like he's going to be centrist, I think in business, I think he's gonna be centrist in a lot of different areas where he will again, de-inflame, get both sides to come sit on his knees and pat him on the back like grandpa Joe, you know? Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I, yeah. I think a lot of us are. Um, I wanted to say though, a comment from my side around Trump. So, so one of the things he's done really well throughout his career, but even before he was president was, was, uh, work with Marketing. the media. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. he he was very, very Fast good. Machine. At, mm-hmm. Like amazing. Like that. If there was one thing I'd always like maybe give him credit on is like how he works with the media machine to get his yeah. view across. And I yeah. think, on you know, and I think for entrepreneurs, well, it, it's both sides, right? Yeah. Like he's using the media machine for his base, but then the, left machine is using all the crazy things, all the kind of inflamed things that he says to support their base. But everyone is just self-interested. Like that's the problem. Like no one's thinking about the other and unification. Everyone's thinking about themselves in the moment. And that's what the selfie generation world of like, just like me, me, me with our phones and all of that like is creating. And so I think like put our phones away, put our computers away, put everything away and just sit down, break bread with somebody. The story I shared on my social media, because you know, I, 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 in my post, I posted about the fact that my dad voted for Trump, et cetera, and how he and I sat down and had a conversation about it. I got probably, I had like 150 comments in like a couple of, couple of, you know, just a little bit of like really long, long comments around, you know, how, you know, how could, how could, how could he vote for this, you know, for, like as a racist, bigot, misogynist, da, da, da. and I was like, that's like, he doesn't, he thinks that that's left-wing rhetoric. Like he doesn't think that, like Trump is racist, misogynist, bigot, because if he did, he wouldn't vote for him. Like the obvious are getting served different things, right? So I think some of the comments that, I'm, that, that I was seeing was still going up, like trying to kill the other side. And it's like, you know, seek to understand and then bridges will be built. And one of the things I talked about was how, I don't know if you watched that film, the, the film about the, based on a true story about the, um, you know, the, the, the KKK clans leader, yeah. Who um it's who a, was a, against the black woman who yes, was yes, yes, who was trying yes. to set who was trying to in, integrate the yeah. school systems with their children and all like the white KKK people were like absolutely not and black people were like we hate them they're just such oppressive people and finally this mediator came from New York and sat the most and said okay we're going to have the leader of the clan the the KKK clan and the leader the 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 the, the black mother woman we need you to sit down and have lunch every single day and just talk about your kids and talk about your life and talk about your, like, you're just how you exist. And at first they were like, absolutely not. Like, you know, the KKK guys, I will never sit with a black woman. And the black woman, I will never sit with a clan leader. This is absurd. I can't believe you would even offer that or suggest that. That's awful. And finally, like reluctantly, in order for them to move forward in this conversation, this mediator just constantly coaxed them back to having to breaking bread together and finally, over time, like they got to know each other, they became friends, and eventually, the KKK leader voted in favor of getting the black communities into the schools, and, the, and he denounced the KKK after, and then became a pro civil rights activist with this black woman. And so, people can change, but not when people are shouting at, at each other, thinking the other side is evil, you mm-hmm. know, because that's what they've been getting fed for so long. You know? yeah, that, it's called the best of enemies on Netflix. 
Yeah, it's so that, good. It's so good. There's so many great lessons there. Um, I do think, um, just to, to double down on my point around the media, I think you're kind of doing this PR campaign, very heavy on media. Um, I'm always in the media. Hey, I've got my own podcast. You check it out, Matt Brown Show. Um, and so media is very important, right? I, I just have a question yeah. for you though. Like, you know, if, if, you, if you were to give like a tip or two to an entrepreneur around how to use media to build a brand, personal or business, where, did, where would the rubber hit the road for you? Yeah. I think for me, like, people can't think of media and press as one of the things in the checklist that they have to do to like launch a product. Like they have to think about it as an invitation, right? Like the way I think about media is like, we're not trying to sell them on a new thing and what we're doing, but we're trying to invite them into our, our experience. And so, you know, as an example, the first thing that you do, like when you're trying to, so say like you and I are, are becoming friends, Right. I want to invite you to a party at my house. You know, the, the, most, the thing that I think about all the time is the invitation. How will I invite this person and these people to my really fun party? Really, my, you know, to, to, to celebrate on, in whatever I, I, I want to celebrate. Well, the invitation is such an important piece. And I think a lot of people like type up press releases, put them in these folders, mail them out to their PR agents. And it's like the most boring, awful thing versus like, what can I do to get them to pique their curiosity from the moment they get invited into this new concept, new product, new idea? So for me, like, for example, with my first business, my restaurant business, um, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any contact. I didn't have any press contacts. I knew nobody. Like, I, I needed to just be resourceful and, and sort of creative. And that's where we all have to, that's the starting point is like for us to unlock the creativity within us because we're all creatives, we're all born creatives and we've all kind of learned to stifle them over time or kind of pigeonhole ourselves in different areas in our lives. But if you really just sit back and think about how creative we can be, we can get really creative. And so what I did was I had my friend's, um, my friend's dad who was a doctor send me 50 IV bags. You know, the doctor IV bags yep. where you, yep. you know, yep. And um, I went to the, you know, the, the packing shop and bought 50 brown boxes for 25 cents each. Those little brown packing boxes, just small, where I can fit the IV bag right in them. Then I wrote a little card. My restaurant, my initial restaurant was called Slice, and the tagline was The Perfect Food. Because if pe so my first business was, a, and I still have them, it's, it's been rebranded to Wild, but in my book, Do Cool Shit, I talk about launching and building and growing Slice from nothing to, you know, raising the capital, building it out, getting the press, doing all the things, messing up, coming back, all of that. It's all in that book. Um, but uh, so, so basically, so it was called Slice, and this tagline was the perfect food. And so um, I wrote, so, so I had the IV bag. I put it in this little box that cost me 25 cents, and I put a little sticker on the IV bag, and I was, I was going to write something, and then I had this little card. On the card, I typed up, the perfect food will be arriving shortly. Until then, don't eat anything. And so, and then below that on the sticker, I wrote, should the lack of sustenance prove to be debilitating, please insert tube into vein. And it was just this like really weird art project thing. And underneath that was like the invitation to my grand opening of my pizza shop, which was like a tiny little pizza shop on the Upper East Side of New York City when no one, no one would give a shit about it. But 
But because of that, and, and then I, because I didn't have any money to go and like put in, in taxes, I literally figured out, I, I took a, I printed out a piece of paper with a map of New York City. I wrote down where all the press, New York Times, New York Post, in a daily candy, like time out, time, time, all the different like magazines and I've laminated it and I would just like create like a route. Like, okay, so today I'm going to, on my bicycle and I looked at my bike basket, my bike basket could only fit eight boxes in it. So then I was like, okay, I need to go to eight, eight media outlets and ride my bicycle. So I literally from Brooklyn rode my bicycle to Manhattan and dropped them off like a courier to all the different media houses. Initially I was like, kind of fretting because I was, you know, I thought I had to go and sneak into the buildings without being announced and stuff like that. So I finally, for the New York Times, I actually did. I, I snuck in right at lunchtime when the guards were busy with other people. And I just kind of snuck in there and I got to the elevator. I was like looking at my phone. And I was like, guys, I can't find where Florence Fabricant's office is. Can you please tell me? And they're like, oh, it's on the fifth floor. And, um, and so I went to like, Florence Fabricant was like the number one food writer for the New York Times. And I got to her office and I get to her secretary and I was like, I'm here to deliver this package to Miss Florence Fabricant. And she's like, she's not here, but you can leave it with me. And next time, just use the uh, mail room. And I was like, mail room? What do you mean? She's like, there's a mail room where you can just drop off all packages. You don't have to come all the way up here. And I was like, oh. And I was like, and I'll go right to her desk. She's like, yeah. So then I was like, oh my God. So then for all the other press houses, I just dropped them off in the mail room like, cause I figured out that there was a mail room for each. Cause that's how couriers drop off packages from brands and stuff to, to press. And I just didn't know that cause I just never exposed to it. So then from there I was like, Oh my God. So then I was able to go and deliver all the different boxes. And then I had New York times daily, like, like the next Wednesday, my restaurant opens this, like the day before, sorry, the Thursday, my restaurant opened Wednesday, the, 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 the um, New York Times article comes out full center fold with photos, everything. And I had a line around the corner on day one of my business. Weird. And it was awful because I was so unprepared <laughs> and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But that's a whole story of another day. But like from a press perspective, it was like, wow, like that was, that was such an interesting thing. I spent 25 cents on each box and I got every major publication to write about it because of this weird thing. And so that's one thing. Another thing, like we did an invitation for, you know, my, my, my last company with things for New York Fashion Week. We were competing against every single major label who was doing a fashion show for New York Fashion Week. And, um, and so what, what will we, so the most important thing was the invitation again. So I'm like, okay, so what I want my team to do is I need you to go to Home Depot and buy quick dry cement and then my team had made these beautiful plexiglass invitations with just that date, time, location, and what to wear. That was it on these plexiglass invitations. And then I had my team pour these, like create a little set and then pour concrete over these invitations to make these um, like little bricks. And then I had my, you know, a beautiful model, you know, with a white, you know, wearing like a tuxedo outfit with white gloves, go and hand deliver the, 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 these invitations with the, these bricks to different press. And, and her instruction to them was you have to smash the patriarchy in order to find the invite. So they had to, so we put it, we, we, so like it was a whole spectacle where the model will go and like lay down newspaper right in front of the, like the, the editor. And then she's like, all right, smash the brick on the ground. And so then she would smash the brick and stuff would fly everywhere. And then she'd have to like, you know, like find the little plexiglass invitation in the middle of the brick. And then she'd have to like, like, you know, like look at it and find out the date, time, location. And, and that was it. So it became a mystery. 
that you needed to solve. And what I also learned is, you know, like when you start, it's human nature that when you start something, you want to finish it. Mm. Like when you start, like you're part of this social or fun experiment or fun art project, you want to see it through. And so we delivered these, these, um, these bricks to all the media, 80 press RSVP'd for, for the, in 24 hours. And it was the most spectacular event in company, one of our most, uh, you know, like vis- visible press, like crazy events that we've ever had, which put, which further put our company on the map. And then with Tushy right now, you know, for my bidet, like to get people to understand that like 15 million trees are cut down every single year to make toilet paper, you know, like it's such an awful thing that we're doing. We're wiping our butts with these ancient trees that are literally giving us oxygen to breathe. And so what I, what I did was I, I created, we created a funeral for a tree. And so we rented Judson Memorial church, like the biggest church in New York city. And we invited 400 guests we had a 25 part choir. We had Matthew Morrison from the show Glee was like this, the, the, he's one of my best friends and he's, he was like the pastor of the church, you know, and it, we held a full on funeral. We had Chitesca Martinez, this native American kid who sued the U S government, who's super famous, come and give a sermon as well. It was the most beautiful, like for me, like I, my, probably my, my favorite, inbound press event I've ever done in my life because it was so filled with like, like passion for, for the planet, but it was funny because we had a comedian. It was poignant. It made people cry. We had trees.org activists there. We had Shatesca Martina. I mean, like it was such a spectacle in a church for my bidet company. No one even saw like thought, thought about Tushy until, except for the fact that they're like, wow, Tushy put this on. Mm. And so it was, it was, a it was, so, so like, that's the kind of stuff that I, I think takes time to do and it's not necessarily the easy route creatively, but it, when we do inbound creative things like inbound PR inbound marketing stunts, mm. then they will come. If you build it, they will come. And so I highly suggest like, as you launch your thing, like what is um thing really odd and interesting and different and weird that will make you stand out, not just the press release that goes to press. Yeah. yeah I love, I love so much about what you said because literally the, the kind of tick boxes, let's release a press release. It's like, Oh my God, no yeah, one cares, yeah. dude. No one really cares. No one cares. No, I, I Like no one reads that. It's like, you know, I know. congratulations. You've got a press office on some websites. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, it's that's yeah. no, it's just very, very no. Yeah. I mean, funnily enough, we've been we've been having to do quite a lot of legal due diligence on like you know displaying product photos and things like that. And so, um, one of the interesting insights that came out this week, a couple of days ago, was that in a photo, if you if you show a um, a laptop with a model sitting on a Ferrari, okay, um, that's okay. Because you're not selling the lifestyle. I know this is legit. This is, this is the law. Um, it, because you're not selling the lifestyle, you're selling the laptop. So if someone bought that laptop and then went, yeah, but where's the model with the Ferrari? Because I, I wanted that. 
you would be okay because it's about the product. So, I mean, like, so we were like, fuck, okay, great. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll literally have laptops and printers <laughs> with scantily yeah. the joke. We're not actually going to do this, but maybe we should now. I don't know. But, um, but it was just a funny idea to imagine if you had a wall of like, these like hot chicks holding old, <laughs> like old that. hardware because you want to make aged hardware cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why is it? I think, I think, I think it's, it's like, it's almost like to, to get, yeah, you know, models, but models are like, like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? So it's like having different, all different shapes and sizes of models could be amazing yeah. and interesting and unique. You know, having people say like, you know, but having the tagline, like what, you know, what is the tagline? Like, of that like how would you like tie in like beautiful women and a computer you know what i mean so like yeah yeah yeah. what is that but i love the i love the the stuff that you've done obviously you've done this more on more than one occasion right in terms of you know generating pr and and sort of digital paper press coverage i guess um, which is really, really smart. I, I think uh, to your point, it's, it's all around the invitation into the point of view for the brand. And I think that's, that's something we certainly still need to, to crack for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, and uh, I wanted to change gears for a second. So at the end of the last show, we kind of got cut off and I had a question. So I'll ask that question now. So obviously uh, you've got a young family, you're looking to grow that family and so forth. Um, and so I've also got young kids, you know, five and well, five and a half and then uh, two and a half sort of thing. Um, so I wanted to ask you around teaching kids principles around entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm excited to just for Hero to start his first lemonade stand and learn how to balance like his, you know, money that he's like, you know, okay, I'm going to give you $10, go and buy supplies at Whole Foods or whatever. You have to come back, make your stuff, and you have to count how many drinks can you make with that, how much you need to charge to not only make back your money, but to actually make a profit. So all of these, just it's all through the lens of like starting small lemonade stand vibes. I think like that's what I'm really excited about for, for him. Um, I think like, you know, the thing that my father taught me early, early, early on is to just spend less than you earn. You know, like we live in this credit card world where people just overspend, overextend, keep up with the Joneses, wanted that thing and just instant gratification and don't work hard for anything anymore. Like we grew up at a time when, you know, if you wanted a pair of shoes, you spent like two months working mm-hmm. and then you, you know, you, you went and bought them with the cash that you made from like refereeing soccer, you know, like that's what I did, you know, where, whereas now it's like, oh, just put on the credit card. And it's like, yeah, but that's just. That, that, that like living on credit is just a very unfun way to live, like owing people things. And so I, I always, you know, my father taught me early on, like drilled it in me to spend less than I earn. You know, if I earn X, I always need to be saving money every single month. Mm. And, um, and, and even when I was starting out as an entrepreneur making nothing, I still managed to put away like $750 a month. You know, like, and, you know, something like that in the beginning and like, you know, just by, by saving, by eating at home, by cooking meals, but Rod and I would go to every Tuesday night, my twin sister and I would go to, we found these, and you know, New York City is like, they say it's so expensive, but then there's these amazing deals. So like Tuesday nights, there was these brand new movies that would come out. It would be, it would be $5 movie tickets. 
and you get to see blockbuster new films for $5. And there was this amazing Thai restaurant, sit down, nice, not like kind of crappy Thai, but like a nice Thai restaurant. On Tuesday nights, they would have like these specials for like these giant chicken pad Thais would be like $9. And so my sister and I would split one pad Thai and then we would, you know, uh, or it was like $7 plus, it ended up being around $10 all in for the pad Thai. We got water and then we went to the movies. We had dinner and movie nights for $10 each. Like full night, dinner, chatting, eating, having a great time in a good environment, then going to the movies, watching a brand new blockbuster film, all for $10. You know, okay. so because we got to, we did stuff like that, we just keep, kept saving our money and saving our money and saving our money. And eventually, you know, like, and then, and then, and then started investing it. And I think that's something that I talk about a lot in my book, Disruptor is um, how important it is to invest, especially when we're, you know, a female entrepreneur is, is, you know, or female women are, you know, are a lot more risk averse than men. Like they actually, um, you know, they actually like prefer a seven times downside protection than men, you know? So like they, they, they value like downside seven times more than protecting downside seven times more than men. Like men are like, build, 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 grow, grow, grow. So by the time, like, you know, two people, if they start at the same amount of money in their bank accounts and like one invests, like based on that, like that, like just grow, grow, grow principle. And one invests based on like save, save, save principle, the grow, grow, grow will, will outperform the save, save, save because you know, the markets over a decade, have always returned. And so um, women are just for like really just starting out as, as, as investing right now. But um, yeah. So I, so, so I think, I think um, just teaching, teaching about the value of saving and then the value of investing and how to do it thoughtfully um, mm. at an early age. There are places like Vanguard or Elvis. So you can actually, you don't have to have, like, oh, for me to invest, I need like thousands of dollars. Like you, you actually need like, you can invest $10, $20, $100 in places like Elvest or like Vanguard where you don't need to be putting in big positions in, in stocks or things like that. Yeah. What's been your most influential entrepreneurship book? I know you mentioned Losing Your Virginity by Richard Branson, who, by the way, as you'll know, also speaks quite at length around protecting the downside. So, you know, how do you found 300 plus companies and then, you know, be okay with that? <laughs> so, so for him, yeah. his whole thing is like, you know, well, I protect the downside. So if I do this thing, I launch an airline in Australia and it costs like, you know, whatever, a billion pounds and it fails like I'm going to protect that investment from somewhere else. So, so I totally, think, yeah. so that was, and then, but what's, I mean, I, I think about rich dad, poor dad, about the four quadrants. So employee, business owner, investor, and then there's like capitalist or something. Suppliers. Like Suppliers yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what's been the most influential book for you? I mean, as it relates to teaching kids, because I think, you know, it's all around story in many cases, right? Getting kids to, because they ever, they're hardwired for story. Right. So. We all are. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I think, um, I think the Nike book um, that I talked about was amazing on about the founder of Nike story. Um, something shoe shoe dog shoe, shoe dog. dog by yeah. Phil Knight. That's an amazing book um, that I love. Story driven. Um, but I also think it's really important to read books like Crucial Conversations. Mm. You know, I just 
you know, I'm reading that right now. It sold 4 million copies. It's about how to have crucial conversations in business and personal and life and like how important that is. And I, you know, I certainly didn't know how to have cr crucial conversations until like, you know, reading this book and also doing a lot, a lot of work. And it's still something that needs to be practiced, right. For us to be able to sit down and, and calmly, you know, share different perspectives and different point of view, points of views without getting defensive is something that's really, really important for people to learn. And I think we live in this, again, this world where we're, it's, you know, me, 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 like my world is my world. My phone is my phone. Like I'm the center of my universe. And I think the most important thing is to teach kids to look beyond themselves first to, you know, I'm going to have my kid volunteer at, you know, drug rehab at cancer wards. I'm going to have them like, I'm going to have him, you know, just volunteer all over to build compassion, understand like how lucky he understands his life is. Mm. And, you know, traveling the world, like we're going to take him to India and experience poverty. Like we're going to, you know, set, we're going to expose him to a lot of different things that will make him think about business differently. You know, if he, if he wants to get into business, I'm also not going to push him to become an entrepreneur. I think he might be excited about it, but I'm not going to push him into it. But, um, um, or, or them, because I have another one coming hopefully soon. Um, and yeah. And I think, um, reading books like, you know, come home to yourself by Sadhvi Saraswati. You can heal your life by Louise Hay, the heart of the Buddha's teachings by Thich Nhat Hanh. Like these are all incredible books about self care. And I think like when we're acting from a place of self care, um, we can, we can take care of others, you know, like for me, like I, I wasn't very good at taking care of myself for a long time until I started to really learn how to take care of myself and, 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 and console myself and, and to soothe myself instead of seeking external soothing. Um, I think for, for kids to learn how to soothe themselves, how to find compassion for others, how to think outside themselves a lot more than just for themselves is going to be exponentially valuable in business and life is as a, as a, as a working human in the world. Yeah. It's interesting, interesting conversation. We probably need to have again at some point. Um, mm -hmm. but it's because it's, I've been thinking quite a lot about, um, you know, um, the, the lack of skills that I have in certain areas of life. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm trying to trying to give an like, and it's not a lack, and, and like I would I would reframe well, I would reframe that instead of a lack yeah. of skills, it's just sort of like a, you know, I haven't explored that yet, yet to be yeah, explored. Yeah. You know, like, like how to be okay, like how to be the, a great dad. You know what I'm saying, or how to deal with like the sometimes inability to connect with your son. You know what I'm saying, because yeah. your world is just so different to theirs. And you go and you go and you do your best. And sometimes you're just not good at it. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. just don't have the bandwidth. So, or Yeah. 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 So my, my, my husband, my husband is working on a book right now called Social Flow. And, um, and he's a, he, he, he started a really amazing company called Tribute. And he's probably the biggest influence in my life when it comes to learning compassion and, um, and really, really just um, seeking to understand the other side. He's, he's a beautiful soul. Um, um, he, in his concept of social flow, he has this, um, he has this acronym called I can, I C A N. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, so I is, um, ask, so, so first you have to um, uh, check in with yourself. So wait, what is, what is so it's, it's um, curiosity, um, intention, sorry, okay, yeah. I got it. Okay, yeah. so I can. So first is like, so when you go into a conversation with your son, you if, if you start, if you're just like, okay, I can. Like, I can. So I starts with an intention. So like, what is your intention for hanging out with your son? What will be your intention? To connect with him. To connect with him. Okay, great. So your intention is, so your, your intention is to go in, like, connecting. What are, give me two other adjectives. To, to what? To, um, to love him and to help him grow those three okay cool yeah okay cool so so that's your intention to go to go in um so then c is curiosity so curiosity is what questions do you want to ask him what questions you want to ask him about his life Mm. like so curiosity like being curious about his life instead of just being like let me teach you let me sit on my knee let me dad let dad tell you how life is curious like what are you into son like what do you like like what are you working on like what are you passionate about like just what like give me some questions that you want to ask him um i we what i do do in the evenings is uh, well because we like rotate putting him to bed or the two kids to bed so what mom one and whatever so um and then so every time it's my turn i will always ask him uh two things i'll say what are you grateful for and yeah. then I will ask him, what is one thing that you did today for somebody else? And I love that. Yeah. It's just to put him into that mindset. You know what I'm saying? Cause to start teaching mm, the kind I of love that. like, yeah. Cause uh, yeah, I don't know. To your point it is questions. And I actually love the fact that um, that came up because it's actually something I was thinking about today. Cause it's kind of like, because the thing is, it's like it's hard for you to know what is the right source of question. You know what I mean? I know it doesn't feel like right. that, like it should so just come natural, in. right? But it doesn't actually come natural for me for some reason. You know yeah. what I mean? Exactly, which is, which is why you have to go in, like, ask yourself, okay, what's my intention hanging out with my son? What, is my curi- what am I curious about him right now? Like, what am I, is he thinking about, like, friendships? Is he thinking about school? Like, what do he like? Does he like school at all? Like, what is, what is he into? Like, just going into the hanging out moment is like setting the intention and getting curious and thinking about the questions you want to ask in advance is always a really nice way to set the tone. So then, so that's I can. So I C A N A stands for authenticity. And authenticity is what do you want to share? Like, what do you want to share? So, so curiosity is like, what do you want to know? Authenticity is like, what do you want to share? And he talks about how like it's so important to, like know what stories you want to share as well. It's like, you know, when you go to so like, so for example, Andrew and I just moved to Austin, Texas and um, we are starting to build our community and we're starting to have sp- spend time with people that we've met through, you know, we're like asking our friends to connect us to some people they know here and we're slowly getting, you know, dinner and taking people out on our boat. You know, we have a thing called boat church where we have like, um, you know, friends come on the boat and we could just do, we do a circle conversation in the middle of the water and it's just lovely. And it's non, non-denominational, <laughs> not really just, but it's just, we call it boat church every Sunday. It's just really fun. Um, and so, yeah. And so like we, so, so, so authenticity is like, okay, so you're going into a, a new conversation with someone new, like, okay, so like, what do I want to, how do I want to feel? What do I want to know? What do I want to share? So how do I want to feel is the intention? Like, how do I want to feel? Curiosity. Oh, that's, 
that's actually really an important thing too. And the intention piece, how do I want to feel? So like when you go into the conversation with your son, like how do you want to feel? Yeah, like proud. You know what I mean? Like certain, I guess, is probably a better word. Certain. Because it's, you know. Well, no, well, well, I mean, like, no, how do you want to feel? Do you want to feel like relieved? loving? Do you want to feel yeah. happy? you want to feel silly? Do you want to feel goofy? Like, how do you want to feel going into your, like, hang time with your son? Jeez. All these emotional questions. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. well, this is, this is, this is, this is really yeah. important. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have how, to, this is how you connect. I'd probably have to reflect on so that. So probably somebody's like silly, goofy, funny, smart. Like I want to go in like, playful. you know, being playful. Playful. Right. Yeah. There you go. Playful. There you go. So, okay. My intention is to go in playful. How do I want to feel? Curiosity. What do I want to know? Let me, let me think about the questions I want to ask my son. Authenticity is what I want to share. So like when I'm thinking about going to dinners with these new people, I'm like, okay, what, what stories do I want to share? Like what's present to me right now? Right now what's present to me is doing my five MEO DMT ceremony a couple of months ago, which was like kick my ass. And, um, and I, and I, and I, and I so much unpacking happened after that ceremony that I did, um, you know, the DMT ceremony, which is like smoking toad venom, which was like crazy. It's this ancient native practice. And, um, and it just it just rocked my world in a, in a very scary way but then it really really like unfolded a lot of visualizations and learnings and revelations and just so much happened after the ceremony so that's just like that's what i want to share right now that's what i want to talk about overall you know because it's, it was such an interesting thing so what i want to share and then now so like so 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 intention, curiosity, authenticity in the end stands for now. And now it's just like, how present can I be? Because think about it. You're starting a new company. You have all these employees. You're pivoting your business. There's a lot going on. Yet you still want to like, be present with your son, right? Like you want to make sure that when you're there with him, your phone is off. You're not thinking about anything else. Because your kids and you, you know when you're present or not, Right. Mm. You can tell when you're here in the room or not, you know, like I, I think about like my husband, sometimes I'm like, tickle my arm, you know, and he tickles my arm and it's like, you can tell when he's like tickling my arm and thinking about something else or he's tickling my arm and thinking about me and like looking at me <laughs> and being so present with me. And you can just tell, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so, so how present can we be? And I think, I think honestly, like when he, like as, as he's putting out this book, I just think that this this concept of I can like around intentionality, curiosity, authenticity now, like, you know, like, what do I, how do I want to feel? What do I want to know? What do I want to share? How present can I be? Like, I think, I think this, like that will create social flow, like a flow state in any social situation, no matter what, with your son, with your wife, with your friends, with your employees, with your customers, with your, you know, like investors, like everyone, if you have this, social flow concept i really believe that it can like put people in a flow state socially like they've never experienced before but it yeah. takes that practice that intention well i'm going to give that one a shot um i'm just cognizant of time but now you want to talk about dmt experiences so let's have a go at that one um <laughs> so, so just so you know something i don't think i've shared with you is that i'm actually in recovery so you are uh, yeah, man. So it's been like uh, three, three, almost four years now. So 
Amazing. Regarding yeah. from which which substance? Oh, geez. Um, many class A's, eh? and then um, obviously everything to go, basically everything, right? So, so I'm always fascinated about DMT, right? Because I'm kind of like, what's that guy, Russell Brand? So he, you know, he was yeah. on Joe Rogan's show, and he was he also talking about DMT, and he's like, yeah, mate, well, maybe I should give it a go, and, uh, you know, but he can't. So <laughs> I'm always fascinated with, uh, you know, uh, people who've actually done it as smoking in toad venom um and so you know um what did yeah. you learn about it what did you learn about yourself uh would you recommend it like yeah. maybe give us the elevator picture on that i think yeah i think people need to really be prepared to do it people are like oh yeah it's a 20 minute experience you're kind of in and out no it's not <laughs> it's 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 you have to go in like really spiritually prepared and um ready to you know, receive the insights that come in. And I think I kind of rushed myself in that process of, of just like entering into the ceremony without like giving myself, like I, I was like late for the ceremony. So I was like running towards, like running to get there. I know exactly. I was like, and so at, because I was late, I was kind of like in this hurried state, which, um, you know, wasn't necessarily like, I mean, I wanted to be meditating like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour before doing the Bufo ceremony. But because I was, I was meditating with, um, you know, this amazing Qigong instructor over that, by that tree, I looked at my watch and I was like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be by that tree to do my DMT ceremony. And, but I was so caught in the meditation that between the meditation and from this tree to that tree, I just had to run to get to the DMT ceremony as fast as possible. And so I think it got me out of my very meditative state. And what I experienced uh, during the ceremony was just fear. Like I felt scared to die. Like I thought I was going to die. And um, my heart was beating fast. Like I just thought I was going to die, you know, and I felt very mortal in that moment. And I think like, um, I felt my mortality and I was like, Oh my God, like I'm going to die. And so like, and I'm so scared. Like I came out of it saying I'm scared. Mm. And, and so over the next like week, I didn't sleep at all. Like I slept one hour, 30 minutes. Like my sleep, I was usually sleep eight, nine hours a night, no problem. And um, even still to this day, my sleep isn't quite come back fully yet, which is interesting. But um, five days after my, B- my DMT ceremony, I finally had a re-up. Sometimes it kind of comes back into your body. And so because I hadn't slept for many days in a row, like my body was just primed for like getting like, you know, just re-upped in the moment with nothing, with just nothing. And so I just like, so then I finally was like, okay, like, wow, like I, I'm going to embody fear. Like, because as an entrepreneur, I've always had to push through fear, face my fear, overcome fear, like blah, blah, blah. I just get through it. But I've never actually like looked at fear and acknowledged fear and supported fear and held it like a baby and like really, really honored fear. And so finally I was like, fear, take over my whole body. Just take over my whole body. So I let fear enter my whole body. From, like I felt it from the tips of my fingers to the bottom of my toes. And I just just let fear just take take over me. And finally from the place of just surrendering to the fear of just thrashing my body I kind of became a tree and when I became a tree the fear became like the storm just sort of like you know when, when a tree when trees are in storms they kind of 
just like, like, just, just get like kind of taken by the tree. And then what happens? The storm passes and they kind of go back to being in their beautiful tree pose and just content in the sky. Right. So what I finally, finally embodied and experienced, like really, really experienced was that like fear is one of our core emotions and that I like, I, 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 instead of pushing it away, resisting it, to lean into it, to like hold it like a baby, to really acknowledge fear. Um, because from that place, like we know we can, we can, it'll, that'll just move. Like, but as, as soon as you're holding on or resisting, it's shit gets stuck. When you're just in flow, your emotions are visitors, like the weather, you know, the sunny skies, there's rain, there's thunder, there's hail, there's storms, like, but guess what? It always comes back to the blue sky. We just have to trust that these emotions are momentary and they're passing. Like we don't have to believe like, oh my God, I'm sitting in fear right now. Like this fear will never, I'll, it'll never leave me. It's like, oh no. Like I finally, finally embodied, like I felt it in my body, what it feels like for an emotion, like fear to take over my body and then just leave when I finally truly accepted and acknowledged it mm. and, didn't, and didn't resist it. So it was... I think probably one of the most spiritual upgrades I've ever had in my entire life. I and it. I think one of the reasons why my like nor my thyroid's normalized and my body is normalized is because I finally stopped resisting the fear and the shame and like mm -hmm. any feelings that I've ever had um, that are darker that we're not allowed in society to feel, you know, like, don't feel shame. Don't shame your family. Don't shame yourself. Like, okay, something bad happened. Like, let's just move on. Like, don't talk about it. Let's just keep going. Like, forget that time. Like, oh, like when you fucked up there, like, let's just forget that. Like, don't, don't worry about the shame that you feel like we'll just mask it with other things. And it's like, no, that shit gets lodged in your body. That's how people get cancer. That's how people get, that's how people die. That's yeah. when people get depressed. That's when people go to drinking. That's when people go to different mediums of just letting go because they feel so trapped in like, everything's good. Like, I'm good. Like, right? Like, I'm fine. And then you're just, just you're, you're covering up all these deeper and darker feelings. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that permission slip of like giving myself that permission to feel fear, like, and just hold it, giving myself permission to feel shame and hold it like was transformational like genuinely transformational because now all my feelings are at my fingertips and i know that they're just passing mm. so it's like that saying what you resist persists right yes so absolutely i had been thinking yeah. about that lately last week actually I'm trying to find that state of flow. Uh, but um, listen, Mickey, we, there's never enough time with you. Yes, yes, yes. So we'll do it again. Never we'll do enough it again. time. Okay, but we'll look, great again. conversation. Thank you so much for being back here, part two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll part absolutely. Two, we'll do a part three again. All right, All right Matt. Thanks for listening to the Matt Brown Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon best-selling book, your inner game for free right now today. You can grab that on mathbrownshow.com forward slash ebook.
Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients, Haiku, went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.